All right, welcome to another episode of the Getting to Club podcast, where you get to steal the playbooks and the skills of the top 0.01% of B2B tech sales practitioners. And like I say in this podcast, sometimes it's just me talking through some of the techniques and tactics that I've learned from others or used myself. And sometimes I'm interviewing those practitioners. And today I'm thrilled to share that I'm interviewing one of those people who I would argue is probably the world's expert on a couple topics that are relevant to B2B selling in tech specifically. One is creating champions and selling with champions. And two, which is kind of an interdependent topic uh, to the first one, is writing and creating business cases. And his name is Nate Nasrella. He is the CEO of Fluent. And maybe I just stole your thunder a little bit there by introducing you, but tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll, we'll get into some of the topic today. Well, you're always very generous in your intros, Chris. So I've been pumped and I've been looking forward to this. So thanks for having me on uh, the podcast of the show today. Um, a quick, quick kind of backstory. So I kind of stumbled my way into sales by way of building companies, doing some consulting work and realizing pretty quickly, like the fun thing in here is actually helping people see and understand the value in your work, which means selling. Um, so if we wanted more users to stick around, more revenue to build the company, to build the products, like I had to go sell them. And so I just kind of taught myself, um, you know, by trial and error over the last decade and then just fell in love with the art of not only selling, but writing in sales. And I found that my ideas, my conversations became that much sharper and more crisp if I had take the time to figure out, one, what do I want to say in writing? And then two, translating that skill through champions so that they show up crisp and clear in their internal conversations which is now kind of the, the current chapter and focus of my work at Fluent and then work with P-Club. Yeah. Well, and I know, uh, you know I'll brag about you for a second because I know you're a humble guy, so I'm just going to do that on your behalf. But there are some <laughs> career achievements um, for everybody listening that uh, is worth you knowing about, Nate, right? One of which is, Nate, I can't remember if the number was 24 or 26. Uh, I wish it was... Yeah, it I wish it was 26, it was 24, but yes. 24 quarters in a, in a row of exceeding quota, which in any circumstance is incredibly impressive. You were running an enterprise team. Enterprise teams are lumpy and very difficult to predict. And so that tells you something about uh, not only Nate's ability to sell, but also his ability to lead and to design a predictable enterprise sales mission. So we're going to talk about a couple of those things. You have a course with us. You have a course called Selling with Champions, and it is an incredibly valuable course, right? I think it's like four hours of total content. You could almost break up the course into like two courses though, and they're both interrelated. But the first half of your course, you focus on finding, creating, testing champions, scripting your route with champions. And then the second half is about empowering those champions with a bulletproof business case. And I think today I want to zero in on that topic for a few minutes. So let's start here. What isn't a business case, right? You tee up that section of the course well by uh, explaining what a business case is not. So tell us what, help us answer that question. Yeah. When I, when I ask a team, Hey, show me the business case that your champions are using to sell. Most times what I see is first and most often some type of ROI calculator where they're plugging in data to say, hey, this is all of the things that will return to you if you buy. Uh, that's not a business case because there's a number of things missing, like the fact that it isn't problem-centric or problem-focused, mm -hmm. and it's a future maybe, which is ROI. It's a promise that may or may not come true. 
Next thing that I typically see is some type of, and this is usually where people with a smile, they're like, oh, we're nailing it right now. And they pull up a little microsite, like it's a little web page, and it has case studies and all kinds of product content and little videos. It's like, that's fine. But how does this actually relate to this particular account? The thing that you can't say to another account because it is so specific to the problem, the circumstance, and the current state of this committee. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that it's not, and this is probably the most appalling when people confuse this for, hey, we're ha- helping our champion sell and make the case, is an email with a stack of links. Here are all of the resources. Link stacking is definitely not a business case. So ROI calculators, landing pages, microsites, uh, link stacking in an email, none of those things come close to a true business case. Well, I feel like the higher you go in an organization, right? Like if you're an executive, the least likely you are to respond to link stacking. That's right? Right. I, got, I got an email for, you know, somebody who's trying to sell us like a $50,000 ARR deal right now for mm-hmm. P-Club. And the follow-up email, first of all, it was just incredibly long. It was, there was probably a lot of goodness in there, but like, I just saw this wall of text. And I'm like, not a chance. And there was, there were a bunch of links within it. And I was thinking about your term link stacking as I was read that I'm like, yep, link stacking. Now I have an excuse to not be responsive to this email. Classic. Yes. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's like, that is the majority of reps out there. So, and a good point from an executive's point of view. So right on. Let's flip the coin. What is a business case, right? You have some you know, components of a business case, if you were to break what a business case is into its component parts, let's start to do that and pull that out of you and see if we can start to get tactical. Yeah. So a business case simply defined is an internal narrative that packages your message. So it is a complete storyline to walk a customer from where they are today, which is where they don't want to be to where they want to go tomorrow, some type of future payoff. Now, the elements of how to create a good business case and to do this with your champion. So first, there is always some type of headline that compels executive attention because it relates to a priority that they're already sold on. So you're leading with some type of bold attention-grabbing headline that leads into, but by the way, here's the problem statement. This isn't going great. There's something that's standing in the way. And so you are measuring, layering, and then helping to frame the problem in a way By the way, this pairs very nicely with some of the discovery practices that you teach. You're not going to be able to do the second section, the problem statement, well, unless you've gone deep in discovery. (laughs) Then what you're going to do is you're going to create a bridge to say, hey, if we agree that this problem has to be solved now, it's only getting worse, let's build a bridge to walk them up to the solution that you have and that you can offer. What are the points or the series of beliefs that they need to hold in order to say, hey, actually, I do see the link. You guys can help us. And in a way that is unique or differentiated from any alternative path, whether that's a competitive platform, whether that's building something in-house, there are a number of different paths that an executive might choose to take. Now, once they say, hey, okay, I've walked across the bridge. I'm with you all. Like, what are we looking at here? This is where you contrast the problem in the current state to outcome scenarios. And scenarios, that word is very intentional because a lot of people, this is where the ROI calculator sneaks in and they're like, hey, here's the you know 10X, we're going to 10X this outcome. But the difference is that executives always know that things don't turn out as the plan looks. It can go in a couple different ways. 
So you build trust by saying, here are scenarios for we don't take action, we take action to this extent, or best case, this is how it goes. You're able to talk to the sensitivity or the drivers behind what's the difference between those different outcomes using the same metrics that you've used to quantify and talk about the problem. Flip those upside down. How does life change? And then finally, here's your last section. What does the customer need to do? What are the dependencies on them that they will have to invest in terms of not just budget, but time, people resources, implementation, changes, hard work, especially any type of complex deal? You will never get an executive to say, like, w w great, we roll out the software and everything is better. Instead of they're thinking about how much time do I need to pull off of other projects to do this with you, clearly outline that. So it's a little counterintuitive, but the more you say, this is going to be hard work for you guys, the more those scenarios that you just laid out becomes believable. So you stack all of those pieces up into what I would argue needs to be no more than one page, because then you are writing in a way that is clear and concise. You've got a true business case. Yeah, there are so many things to unpack there because even seasoned enterprise sellers, I think often chalk up a business case to ROI. Or best case, they chalk it up to, here's the problem, here's the product, here's the ROI. And there are several things that you said that are worth emphasizing, right? One is scenario-based thinking, right? That's how executives think. But it also earns you an incredible amount of, amount of credibility, assuming you forecasted those scenarios well, right? So here at P-Club, um, we just got out of our annual planning for 2024, and we're thinking through, you know, what our revenue targets are going to be. And of course, we have three scenarios. We have base case, most likely case, and best case. That's just how businesses plan. They plan for the mm -hmm. worst, they plan for the best, and they plan for what is most likely. And that gives you massive credibility. The other thing that you said, which is so counterintuitive, is being very upfront with, here's how much this is going to take to be successful. And are you going to be able to commit those resources, time, attention, people, other resources? And I think a lot of sellers shy away from that, right? Especially inexperienced sellers. They're kind of like, no, oh, I, I want to press the easy button. Mm -hmm. Enterprise deals know, enterprise executives rather, and the buyers within them um, or those accounts, they know that it's not going to be that easy. So you earn an incredible amount of credibility um, by showcasing exactly what it's going to take. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about now. So you said condense this in an ideal state to a page or so, which not only does that demand incredible critical thinking skills, but also writing skills. And I know you're a huge advocate for clear, concise, compelling writing as a skill for sales professionals to master. And you wrote a post about this yesterday. It was, I think it was yesterday, everything I know about great writing when it comes to sales. So tell us about some of your thoughts there and some of the things you want to share with the audience. Yeah, I think it is yeah, along with discovery, because these two skills are highly related and they're intertwined writing discovery. It is one of the highest leverage skills that you could possibly develop as it relates to enterprise and complex selling. A couple of reasons and then how to write well. Um, so first, write with your buyer's words, their language. It is a shortcut when you coordinate language, you signal to somebody like they're understood, you're developing trust very quickly. Um, good writing is also very concise um, to the point that you just raise on you know one page. Try to do this in one page. You don't really know what it is that you want to say if you can't say it inside of a single page. And so there's like this um, 
classic saying from Winston Churchill. It's like, if you want me to talk on a topic for an hour, I'm ready right now. If I only have 30 minutes, I'll need a day. 15 <laughs> minutes, I'll need a couple days. You know, one minute, oh, give me a month to plan this, right? And so it takes a lot of intentionality. So writing is the act of pruning your ideas to figure out what is noise, what can I discard, and then what is truly the essence of what I want to say. So if you can be brief, simple, and precise, those are the best adjectives for your writing, which is evidence of clear thinking, which doesn't happen by chance. Writing is the medium for trimming out the noise, which is the enemy in any type of selling. Clutter, get rid of it. The related piece that is often counterintuitive when people are writing is just strip it down to the basics. Just use a, a you know white page, customer's logo, black font, there you go. And the point is, good writing is trustworthy when it looks like it originated from inside of the customer's account. So the more you go deep on simplifying and then writing with your buyer, not only their language, but actually like your writing should change after they look at it and suggest writing is collaborative. Now, I mean, you'll notice this, that you can't write a good memo alone. Maybe the last point on um, kind of writing in sales that I'll, I'll wrap up with is Jeff Bezos talks about the writing culture in Amazon. And one of the practices that they have is before any type of executive meeting, there is a written memo that everybody starts by reading quietly and to prepare one of those memos. His point is a good memo can't be written a day, in a day and it can't be written by one person. It's written over time with a series of co-authors. And that's the way you need to think about selling and writing in sales as well. Writing is a way to coordinate the input from so many different people on the committee to get people aligned on one page. And so don't think about yourself as the author. You are more of an editor pulling in perspective from all of your other co-authors to present something that is truly compelling. Um, so I can continue to go any direction on this topic. It is literally my favorite in the world. Um, but a couple points on writing and sales. I think there are a number of things that we could zero in on. One of the ones that I'm taking away, and if you took away nothing else from this short jam-packed interview, which has a lot you could take away, it is writing is pruning, right? You and I, I, I get the sense that you and I are both copywriting nerds behind the scene, right? Like <laughs> we're, we're sales nerds, but we're also copywriting nerds. And some of the best copywriting advice I ever received was pretend you get a hundred dollar bill for every word you eliminate. And that illustrates just how true writing is pruning actually is. So we're just up on time. I got a couple things uh, for the audience and I'm going to turn it over to you to wrap up. Uh, so Nate, like I said, at the beginning of this, um, he was one of P club's first external course authors. And he, he actually has a couple courses with us. He has selling with champions, which is a course where you will learn how to find and build champions that sell the living hell out of your business case when you're not in the room and run through walls on your behalf. And then you also have a smaller, but no less valuable course. Uh, which is called Mutual Success Plan Mastery, right? This is how you co-control the sell-buy cycle with uh, your deals in such a way that leads to a successful closure of that deal, but not just closure, right? The signature is not the last part of a mutual success plan, a successful rollout and implementation of that deal. So if that's interesting to anybody listening, head over to pclub.io slash courses and you'll be able to find Nate's courses there and go check them out. They are incredibly valuable. 
And then Nate, tell us a little bit about Fluent and where people can connect with you if they're interested in doing that. Yeah, well, the way to think about Fluent is it takes all of the practices that you can learn and put to work on your own through the courses uh, with P-Club, and it puts some software and automation around this to help write the first draft of things like a business case, a mutual success plan um, for you so that you can enable your champions to sell when you're not in the room with all of the account-based content um, that you need. And I'll say, Chris, thank you again for inviting me to, to build out some content and courses with you. It has been a highlight of the year, truly a fun time building those and for the conversation today. It's been great. Thanks, Nate. And we will see everybody else on the next episode. Thanks for joining. 